there. I would like to uh, begin the episode by thanking some folks. Folks like Listed Gamer, Aiden C., Fan Zhang, Salupsis, and J.D. Edwards. All of these are people who have gone to patreon.com slash DuckFeedTV, kicked us some money, and uh, helped support this show and many others like it on the network. You can be like them and get cool stuff by going to patreon.com slash DuckFeedTV. Thanks. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And this week we are talking about Control, which is a third-person shooter developed by Remedy Entertainment and published by 505 Games for the PC and consoles in 2019. Yeah. Uh, and I'm back. You're back, baby. The first, I'm back at work. <laughs> it's good to have you back. Thank you. This is the first time I've recorded in quite a while. Yeah, you uh, had uh, yeah. you had you had COVID. For anybody who d- I, doesn't listen to those other shows that were more affected by the upset in the schedule, yeah, you uh, you got the Rona. I went and got COVID. Yeah, the uh, you know I I decided for it. My yeah. attorney advised me like, hey, <laughs> go lick some doorknobs, and I and I did it. Uh, uh, yeah. Would you Would you recommend it? I you know it's a real mixed bag. <laughs> The, uh, you get some time off. <laughs> I can I can levitate things about three inches off the ground now. Mm, okay. At the same time, though, I'm sure my heart has like six new holes in it. <laughs> so it's it's uh, no, I would I would not recommend it. Yeah, um, but talked about this a little bit in the intro of the last episode. But I just wanted to say again, just because I mean it. Uh, big thanks to everybody mm-hmm. listening. Uh, you know, thanks to you, Cole, obviously. Yeah. Thanks to Jeremy. Thanks to Will. Uh, you know, for helping fill in the slack but big thanks to everybody listening for the support and well wishes i really yeah. appreciate it yeah no it is super good to be back on a mic i had no idea what to do during the day uh the past I, yeah, week i missed it yeah <laughs> I, I missed work is one of those like number one killers of people's retirement uh-huh things like i always thought that i would do pretty well mm-hmm. uh at you know just having unlimited free time but uh that coupled with not being able to get out of bed is a bad combo yeah it's not great yeah unlimited bedtime <laughs> like that sounds like a dream uh, but it, it, it's no no <laughs> that's one of the tortures from the movie seven yeah yeah it's it's uh unlimited most things should have a limit except for breadsticks <laughs> it's soup uh, and salad yeah uh but yeah it was uh just a lot of time in bed it yeah. feels really surreal it feels like yesterday uh that i was fine mm-hmm. and i just uh, like a few week it was a kind of a weight mate yeah scenario huh? you know, watched watch four and a half seasons of king of the hill yeah, nice. That's <laughs> you know, if anything, if that's the only thing that came out of it, then we're then we're okay. 
It's hell. I tell you what. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, uh, big thanks to Noel. Mm-hmm. Noel is the executive producer of this episode, this yeah. premium episode. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Noel. I was looking for an excuse to play this game. Kind of fell into a bit of the vampire, vampire uh, kind of deal. We're like, oh, this is definitely going to be a WAF thing at some point. Um, mm-hmm. So we got it here. And uh, this is a premium episode. That means uh, everybody's going to get the generalities where we talk about the mechanics and aesthetics and stuff like that, the development story. Uh, but the uh, body of the episode where we talk about kind of the beats of the game itself, that's going to go for a premium uh, folks over on Patreon. Yeah, indeed. I, I had the, the same experience where I knew we'd do it for work. I also, Alan Wake left a bad taste in my mouth when yes. we, we revisited it. So mm-hmm. I didn't want to do this. And I can comfortably say, like, I like this a lot more than Alan Wake. Same. Uh, this is this is Remedy's best game, excepting perhaps Max Payne 1. Yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, even that's like a totally different world ballpark yeah uh you know i i have a, a weird sense in this like there's i have problems with this game like we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna talk about it i don't think it's perfect but i had a weird sense of pride like oh you did it yeah you figured it out guys like you, you <laughs> kind of figured it out it's still got a lot of remedy problems and uh-huh. stuff but this is the best you've done yeah like good job folks <laughs> no it was uh they did it generally generally good I I, mm-hmm. I I think is where this uh, is where is where this falls down, and of course that's not like a you know homogenous good entirely through. I think that the you know this being vibe huge months, highs. yeah, they're huge highs. Even in the play, they're they're really high highs. Uh, but like this being vibe month, I think this is a game whose aesthetic is pretty much unassailable. Actually, yeah, it's a good it's a good cap off for vibe month. Yes, you know uh, it's time time to move past the vibes. <laughs> uh, but this is a good vibe send off. Yeah. Uh, you play as a young woman in this named Jesse Faden. You are looking for your brother who was kidnapped. We'll find out there's more to that story. Yeah. Uh, by an organization called the Federal Bureau of Control. Yes. It's off the books. Even their headquarters, the FBC headquarters, uh, doesn't appear to everybody. Uh, it's kind of the x-files kind of kind of division where they study all of this uh supernatural stuff these altered objects and things um and she reaches that headquarters the oldest house uh in new york uh and gets inside and finds out that she's kind of walked into the middle of a disaster yes yeah it's on lockdown there's an interdimensional invading force called the hiss uh, she gets chosen slash chooses to be the new director uh, to fight back and try to find her brother. Yeah. Um, the house doesn't want to be seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got that, you know, Grant Morrison kind of thing. The, you know, the invisibles or uh, the filth. Yeah. Like people don't want to pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, objects and everything. This is an SCP game. Yep. Uh, it is almost actionably. If an SCP game, if SCP uh, was not like a an open project that definitely had leaders, but, you know, anybody could contribute to it, uh, you know, kind of without ownership, um, then it would be actionable. Uh, yeah. that as it stands though, because they can take, they, they, they can take from this. I've not seen an awful lot of like outrage from people who really, really are into SCP lore you know, when I've been reading about it. So no harm, no foul, I guess. Well, it's, it's an affectionate, yes, you know, knockoff. Like there, there are direct references and stuff, but the, the people who made this game obviously were big fans. 
yeah. of, of SCP. But I, I think that it's useful because if you're familiar with one, you're basically familiar with the other. Yeah. You know, you're um, going to be like dealing with a hilarious, hilariously obtuse bureaucracy and finding out about stuff in heavily redacted documents, kind of using that, um, uh, you know, precise excision of material to uh, uh, heighten both horror and comedy uh, associated with stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, I was actually, we'll, we'll talk about that when we talk about tone a little bit. I was kind of surprised by how not horror this game feels. Right. I was expecting a lot more of that, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the tone is is really something else, and it's something I feel neutral about. It's not a, mm-hmm. a downside, but it's, it's not an improvement. Like, yeah. part of me wishes it was a little bit more serious mm-hmm. uh, here, but it, it's a, it's not a horror game. Right. Like, it's it's not very scary. Nope. Um, the, uh, there's also a little bit of X-Files in there. Mm-hmm. Um, in the kind of government side of things. Yeah. Uh, and it basically, when we say SCP, it's really about these specific things. So imagine like, you know, a, a fax machine that faxed your mom instead of faxes. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. Right. Right. You know, this toothpaste brushes you. <laughs> there, there we go. So it's in Soviet Russia. They found it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Yakov Smirnov's <laughs> control. Like it is, you know, it is that basically. <laughs> Like what if this ordinary object, there's a little bit more to it. Like the, the cool thing that they, they do. I like how they tie it into, um, the iconography. Yeah. Like, uh, objects or certain things are just kind of have representation, representational power in the collective unconscious. Like, (laughs) you know, if everyone pictures a telephone, everyone's going to picture like the same rotary headset and everything. And then that can kind of come into being as a powerful thing. Yeah. And that's revealed super early. And one of the first documents that you see at the security checkpoint at the first desk at the front desk, uh, which says like, Oh, you know, don't bring in any cell phones. Don't bring in any weapons, obviously, uh, or any, um, archetypal objects. And it says, and it just gives like a list of seemingly random things, you know, bottle of ketchup, uh, pencil, you know, things like two pencils, number two pencils specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So that's kind of the setting, and that's all impeccable. We'll talk about that. The gameplay uh, is a third-person shooter um, that is focused on aggression. Uh, yeah. It is constant movement. Uh, there's no cover system, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, most of your enemies are humans that have been corrupted by this hiss, and this gives them supernatural abilities. So they'll either fly around or toss things at you or have shields or become human bombs. Yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, this has the potential to get a little monotonous and it does, uh, you know, there's a lot of combat in this game and, uh, uh, especially toward the end, they love making big combat arenas that would not feel terribly out of place in something like a returnal, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, turned into serious Sam. (laughs) Yeah. Points. Yeah. Uh, but the combat mix ups for most of it end up being pretty engaging. You know, target prioritization is a real, uh, real thing here. Um, and, uh, the emphasis on movement does keep this from feeling, you know, as stale as a third person shooter possibly could. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because the actual, you know, if you plop, plop me down in a control combat scenario, with with the powers I have uh, and these enemies, it is fun. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is a fun time. I just feel like there's n- so little variation in it. Yeah, that it has no choice but to become pretty monotonous mm-hmm. by the end. Like you're you have a certain amount of gas in the tank for like picking up pieces of masonry with your mind and tossing them. Yeah, and you know that's going to vary from person to person. I ran out of gas mm-hmm. in that tank, um, and 
something that I, I was talking on the Slack and someone mentioned this, this was in a review. I don't actually think this, but it's a really damning statement mm-hmm. uh, that I think is, you know, there's a, there's a kernel of truth to this. Yeah. Like uh, this being a game where you meet a gigantic, inhumanly big inverted pyramid. And the first thing it tells you is how to upgrade a weapon. <laughs> like, I think, I think there's a kernel of truth to that that ties into the combat. Like you have this world where anything is possible. Yeah, but the only thing that is probable is you picking up pieces of masonry and tossing them at the same six enemy types for yeah. the entire game. The like the the corrupting presence of the hiss, you know, like it's meant to be show, showing. You know, the combat is meant to be showing, like, oh, it's everywhere, anywhere that people were. This force has taken them over, and uh, and here it goes. Um, that can be achieved by so many other things that are not combat. You know, there are places you can go in this building that are thresholds that are being overtaken by other stuff that is effective and cool. And we get a lot, a lot of the same thing across to me, which is all, uh, you know, me saying that the combat and like the setting and story and stuff are not necessarily really well integrated. It felt like combat was kind of a chore that I had to get through um, at very frequent points that got more frequent as the game went on. The, The the end, I think it goes kind of beyond the pale. Yeah. Like the the last several encounters in this had me, you know, sighing and wishing they were over. Right. Um, you know, and it's never really a good sign in a game where like uh, the the description of like a book with its pages stuck together, like you just have to do this work to unstick the pages so you can mm-hmm. read more. Yeah. Um, you know, the things that I was going towards were always cool and I wanted to see them. Yeah. Uh, what I had to do to get there lost its charm you know, well before the end of the game. Yeah. It's uh, for me, it's kind of a textbook textbook example of what I think, you know, some of the more thought people, thoughtful people are trying to say when they say they wish, they wish there were fewer games about shooting, you know? Yeah. Uh, which, you know, in this case it is, this feels like a developer regressing to the mean, uh, in this case, in regressing, yeah, regressing yeah, like, to like, oh, like we're a shooter developer. We start out strong and we have like we achieve all the stuff, but eventually the muscle has to relax. You go back to the resting posture or your T pose, and that T pose for remedy is shooting a bunch of dudes in a room. Yep, uh, identical looking dudes. Yeah, you know, and there are several things that feel like uh, regressions to a video game mean, like in terms of. The upgrade system, yeah. Uh, the pickups, the loot boxes, stuff like that. Like we'll talk about, talk about all that. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a weapon in this game. Uh, it's called the service weapon. Uh, <laughs> this is an object of power, which is the SCP object thing. And this is, uh, it's really cool. Uh, in the past, it was Excalibur, yep. and you know things like that. It's a shape shifting gun that takes the form of what you need it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it has unlimited ammo, but the clip size is limited. And when you're not firing, it refills. Yeah. Uh, this is one of a couple different systems to get you to lean on your powers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you fire until you're out of bullets, use your powers while it reloads, fire until you're out of bullets. That's the loop. Yeah. Uh, I've not seen anything like this before. I think this is a really good system. I mean, specifically for the for the shooting the uh, the bullets, the recharging ammo yeah. clip, right? Yeah, I like the recharging ammo clip quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, I also like that the service weapon can take these different forms. Um, and this is taking the, uh, this is taking the place of you picking up and finding other weapons. Um, it can transform, uh, on the fly into shotgun, submachine gun, sniper rifle, grenade launcher kind of deal. And these all share the same ammo pool. Yes. Uh, these are cool. I, I wish that there, you can only have two of them active at a time, which I think is a problem. Yes. That feels like a regressing to the video game mean mm-hmm. situation because theoretically the idea behind this would be 
they're useful in some, you know, each form is useful in different situations. Yeah. Uh, partly because you end up facing the same situation over and over. Yeah. And partly because of this choice and because you don't have any way to like gather intelligence, there's really no way to make meaningful choices around this. Right. Um, you know, you're not thinking I'm going into this area, so I need the sniper rifle and the, the shotgun. Yeah. It's going to be hallways broken up with long stretches of long distance. Like you're not going to know that in advance and that's not really the encounter design. Mm-hmm. In the game, it's more for me, it was more like I picked, you know, I kept the pistol because the pistol was really good all around. Yeah. And then generally did the sniper rifle uh, and then use my powers to make up for the rest. Yeah, that was pistol and uh, pistol and shotgun. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's weird because you can switch them at will, but it just requires you to go into the menu. Um, yeah. the two limit is, uh, for like the swap. So you can only swap, swap back and forth between either two, but you go into the menu to change which of the two you swap between. I really wish that it was just a weapon wheel. Same. And I just had access to all the tools. Mm-hmm. I don't understand what the, the idea is behind, behind that yeah. really. It would have brought a little bit more interest to the, uh, uh, to the, uh, combat, which like yeah. it's more, it gets more fun, the more dynamic it is. And your you know adaptive vocabulary is part of that dynamism yeah uh the big you have a psychic abilities you get in this um the primary one is launch so this is a telekinetic power that allows you to pick up uh, a truly staggering number of objects in the environment (laughs) um you know including pieces of like concrete rebar Mm. from the walls and floor and toss them yeah um this is something that I consider to be a strength and a weakness of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a strength because it's really fun and satisfying. Yeah. Um, it's one of the best offensive moves in a game. Oh, I oh yeah. I, it's, it's, like, uh, it's, it's wonderful. I'm never going to turn my nose up at telekinesis. Well, it's a really good implementation of it as well. Yes. Like it's very fun. The downside to it is it's always the right answer. <laughs> right. Like there's never, there's never a situation in which you don't want to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that has more to do with like the encounter design and the enemy design, but that ended up contributing to, um, the feeling of sameness of the combat and kind of exhaustion I had Mm -hmm. is that it is quite literally rote. Like it is use your gun until you're out of ammo, throw, throw a couple things, use your gun until you're ammo, throw a couple things all while moving, which is fun. You just Mm -hmm. can't do it hundreds of times and have it spend the same. Yeah. It's not 15 hours of fun. Yeah. Uh, but it is a, it is a great telekinesis Mm -hmm. um it is i think the best in in video games really yeah super snappy like it feels reminiscent of psyops uh, but you have to remember that psyops had the uh you slowly rotated around you with the uh with the stick kind of deal because you were using it to solve puzzles here it's not for puzzles it's for uh it's 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 just for pancaking dudes you used in pancaking dudes in uh psyops as well that that was a perk in psyops (laughs) <laughs> the, uh, the I don't think I don't think you used a lot for puzzles in psyops if I if I recall like you throw a lot of uh, crates at people it just controlled worse because it was a PS2 game yeah yeah you know this has a lot of psyops DNA in it actually mm-hmm. yeah, which I welcome with open arms me too yeah, yeah. I love the Mindgate conspiracy <laughs> okay Nick uh, <laughs> okay Nick <laughs> oh man uh that was a fun episode uh <laughs> 11 years ago anyway uh there are uh, uh other psychic abilities that you can get um uh, some of them might be considered spoilers so i didn't know which ones to list here uh we'll talk about the major ones when we get them because you find objects of power uh throughout the course of exploring the building yeah and in it in kind of a i kept expecting something to be as cool as launch there's one that's nearly as cool mm-hmm uh, you know, in terms of feel, but the rest of them I feel like are a little bit uninspired. Yeah. Uh, 
the uh, this kind of chaotic combat where you're running around emptying your gun, throwing things, is really aided by how destructible the environments are. Yeah. Um, this is a real graphic showpiece game. And another kind of best in class, you know, the Waffy Awards we can give this is fucking up an office. That's really um, good. <laughs> yeah. It's it's the best game I played for going through an area with like mailboxes and water coolers and shit mm-hmm. and just absolutely knocking over everything, having papers fly through the air. Yeah. You know, it looks really good. <laughs> just, uh, it is really cool feeling just being a one person tornado uh going through yep. this and it's it's a little bit of a bummer because i mean a lot of games have done it really well but like the fact the fact that it is so well expressed here kind of makes it like would make it hard to go back to say the original fear or the uh criterion game uh black that shooter uh yeah. where the um the <laughs> kind of the entire like the cool part of that is how destructible the like the office environments were and stuff. It's like, no, like MGS two or something like that. Like this, this makes that those look very primitive. Yeah. I think, um, it's, it's crazy good. It looks so good. It's really fun when you're just farting around to do, you have a, a melee attack. That's a little short range TK push to just knock over like three or four desks and just, it's, it's just a joy. Like it looks really good. Just see the papers flutter. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that destructibility kind of aids. So you're never really uh, looking for TKable things. Um, uh, something will always be highlighted, uh, saying like, "Hey, this will be the thing that you will TK if you uh, if you decide to pick something up and throw it." Uh, it's never a case where like, "Ah, oh, shit, there are no file cabinets around here. I'm not going to be able to take this guy out." If there's nothing nearby, you just grab a chunk of the floor or the wall and throw that. Yeah. And this, uh, you eventually can upgrade this to get bigger things like toss forklifts and shit. Yeah. Uh, so good. Um, the, uh, you'll have a, a dodge as well. And all your powers draw from this monometer, this energy meter. This also recharges again, that rhythm of shoot then use powers Yeah. while you're shooting this recharges. Mm-hmm. Um, your health doesn't recharge the way they decided to do health in this game is that enemies drop these little moats, um, so you pick these up. Uh, this encourages you to be aggressive. Yeah. It also really encourages one of the weirder forms of backtracking. Yep. <laughs> I've seen in a game, like something that happens in this game is you'll do a firefight, do really well, leave all these little moats on the ground, do worse at the next firefight, and then go back and just like scavenge the corpses. It's weird. <laughs> it's, I've never seen that before. Like uh-huh. it, it is a really odd rhythm. Yeah. It, it, the idea is to be very aggressive because you have to kill to heal. Uh, but the fact that you have to have killed to heal is a really key difference yeah to it um yeah it's it's strange um and it can be kind of a pain if you uh you know if you if you have a bad run Mm -hmm. you know and and end up using up all your healing bits um you respawn at uh bonfires basically yeah these checkpoints uh there and these are mostly placed pretty well mm-hmm. there are times where you will have to backtrack through a really long your area to get to a boss yeah um they died on and that's a bummer the uh the, the the encounters are not are not like manually laid out um if you die at an encounter and then you respawn and go back and walk back you may not get an encounter there that time there is yeah. something of a um an ai director um happening here yeah it's also uh, the last little bit I want to say about encounter design, uh, just real quick before we move on to it, is that enemies aren't placed. Yeah. Um, so you, like you mentioned, they're not set, but they're also not even placed in a room. So it's not like this guy will be behind this piece of cover. How do you deal with that? They just teleport in. 
Yeah. When we we made that comparison to Serious Sam earlier, like that's not unapt. Mm-hmm. Guys just warp in until they're sick of throwing guys at you. Yeah. You know, uh, and there it happens when you backtrack, like you mentioned, uh, and that can be a huge pain. Mm-hmm. Um, just this area just got refilled up. Yeah. More dudes know? came. More dudes came. Yep. Uh, send more dudes. <laughs> um uh, let's talk about difficulty a little bit um mm-hmm. i found that uh, about three quarters of the way through the game things got a little bit too difficult for me in terms mm-hmm. of it just kind of felt like jesse's survivability was you know pretty low i felt like i was moving smart i felt like i was choosing my targets intelligently but just uh ended up dying pretty quick what i found pretty useful and you know i think it, every game company should do this resources allowing uh, uh which is uh they have accessibility options that like you kind of craft your own difficulty level based on this all that i needed was to um uh oh gosh increase my like defense modifier by about 20 percent, and that did it like that kept yeah. the fights at engaging and fun without making it a complete cakewalk yeah i, I love this option yeah uh, for this i i feel like this game was pretty easy okay uh near the i was doing real well for basically the whole thing near the this is a damning thing near the end i ended up turning on one hit kills because i was sick of doing these combat hallways yeah yeah they're just it, it wasn't i wasn't dying like, i agree with you that jesse's really fragile i was just you know lucking out i guess but mm-hmm. the uh eventually i just got sick of the cornmeal yeah i needed to take the cornmeal down in one bite mm-hmm. um there's a the the assist mode uh is incredibly gradual yes um you get to craft what you want this to be so like i said i put mine down to one hit kills you can make yourself invincible mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want um i really like that yeah no uh nobody get cranky that gary did that or that i you know turned on the 20 oh. percent damage thing <laughs> yeah i don't care if somebody wants to get mad at me about that they can it i was bored i wasn't dying yeah i like, i just uh um the uh, this was patched in as well yes uh, i remember when this game first came out a lot of people were uh complaining mm-hmm. about the bosses being walls they wanted to play for the narrative and couldn't uh remedy wisely decided like hey there's a lot of things about this game other than challenge let's let people experience those yeah big thumbs up yeah uh, let's talk about this travesty of a game economy and upgrade economy. Yeah, this, game. Uh, this was war crime. Uh, <laughs> this was not welcome uh, when when I when, when I saw how how much of the pickup economy, like that there was a pickup economy, and how much it was kind of uh, into this just weird uh, kind of mishmash of uh, different upgrade paths. And video game uh, soup. yeah, video game, vi- video game soup of, you know, personal mods and perks, you know, plus 5%, plus 2% kind of stuff. It was like, I don't know this. Uh, this feels like an awful lot of friction to be adding to effectively just be playing around at the margins of this and, combat. And they, all, they all suck. <laughs> like it's it, so, so you get skill points. Yes. Um, you can do this to upgrade your stats. You can just get avatar strength. So like plus 5% health. Yeah, not that exciting, but you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can add powers like modifiers to your telekinetic abil- abilities. These are maybe a third of them are good. Yeah, like uh, you know, you can launch thing people, and you can get or you can launch things, and you can upgrade it. So, like, if an enemy is at low health, you can launch the enemy. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's only a fourth or so of the launch upgrade tree. The rest of them are just five percent damage yeah you know 10 percent damage or whatever and then you get perks uh these little mods that you can either put on your weapon or your personal mods 
Um, and these give you like really marginal upgrades. Yeah. It's, uh, they're so bland. Yeah. Uh, it, it, like getting down to, oh, your weapon recharges like 5% faster, or you have a, you know, 10% chance when you hit somebody for that bullet to be refunded. Yeah. It's, it, it's kind of contain your excitement. <laughs> If you're hearing this and you haven't played this yet, can you imagine a 10% chance to refund a bullet? <laughs> like in your wildest dreams, you know, <laughs> and like w- when you get up to like the, uh, the, the, the rarest of them, it ends up being, you know, I made my shotgun really, really effective by using the rarest mods that would, um, increase my, that would increase the number of projectiles that were fired, but also really heavily choked them to reduce the spread. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like I had a hit scan rocket launcher. Uh, which was which was neat, but by the time I got to that point, I had thrown away or recycled uh, any number of them that were just not useful for my style of play, or like it, I I felt insulted and like I wasted time and decision making, wasted willpower making the decision to use this one over that one. Looking at the video game soup, it just takes uh, these are random. When you find them, you can craft random ones and then yeah. put points into what level uh, you craft random ones. Uh, through the, these pickups, like a lot of the rewards for this game are these little loot boxes. They're tiny little treasure chests that you telekinetically pop open like a, a you know New Year's popper. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just get like coolly named crafting material, yeah. like figment of imagination, unearned confidence, mm-hmm. things Intrusive like that. Intrusive pattern intrusive pattern that's cool it's a cool idea mm-hmm. um and you put these together to craft the blandest shit that you've ever <laughs> crafted and it's worth you know we talk about this all the time on this network but this impacts everything yeah uh a bad economy is a serious problem in a game it's not nothing mm-hmm. um what this means is because it has you know the possibility space is so low for what you get it means that you are purely working on extrinsic rewards or, yeah. or purely working it, on intrinsic rewards Yeah, for anything. Like I would get, uh, somebody would ask me to go do a task. It didn't sound that interesting. Maybe there's something interesting there, but I have to make a decision whether that's worth my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a game with a more robust economy, I'd be like, well, at the very least, I'll get some XP and maybe I'll get a cool item out of it. Yeah, uh, XP doesn't matter and you will not get a cool item out of it Yeah, in this um that is powerfully discouraging mm-hmm. the only upgrades that i felt like were um necessary so you need these resources to craft the new modes for the uh uh for your weapon um and you also mm-hmm. need uh the resources to upgrade each mode of the weapon and that governs how much damage that you do yes. um those were meaningful but everything else kind of fell into it felt a little bit like a like like some huckster video game psycho- psychologist came in and said, "All right, you need a ton of stuff. You need to overwhelm them with options, and that way they're going to yeah. feel compelled to play more." No, no, I want fewer possible upgrades, and I want for each of them to feel more meaningful. Uh, and, same way I wanted fewer encounters, and for each of them to feel more meaningful. Yes, like this, this game needs to be concentrated. Yes, you know. Uh, to 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 be its best self like it's still good but mm-hmm. this would be a lot better if you took the whole thing and like you know shrunk it down a little bit mm-hmm. and that's not just us saying everything should be shorter it's no. just less incident that's more impactful mm-hmm. um one of the worst parts about this system is you have a limited inventory <laughs> for the life of me i cannot understand the logic of this neither can i 
Uh, so you have to stop, like you go to pick up something, you can't, you have to go and clear out room in the fridge by like holding the button and recycling all these mods one by one to get the general currency, uh, that you spend along with these crafting materials to do these things. Mm -hmm. Uh, it blows every time it happens. It's irritating. And it's not a game where it like, when you go into the menu in this, it is, uh, not a joy. You know, I'm not excited about new stuff I'm going to be able to do. Every this all contributed to the the idea of pressing the menu button feeling like a chore. Yeah, this is something that like people complained about so much in Mass Effect One that Bioware mm. completely overhauled and removed the system in Mass Effect Two. <laughs> like, it's, like we know it's a problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's why it's so you know it's the thing. This game is really remarkable and non-commercial, like non-video game soupy. In, yeah. in some ways and the parts where it kind of regresses to the well that's just what video games do yeah are doubly disappointing because of the potential it has when it doesn't do that yeah uh you know because it's, it's real good when it's not doing that mm-hmm. um the story proceeds in chapters but uh the oldest house the uh the government agency you're exploring uh is structured to explore mostly non-linearly mm-hmm. uh, a little bit like a metroidvania um you get key cards yeah you know uh to get around and as you explore, you cleanse these control points. When you do that, you get your checkpoints, save points, fast travel stations, places where you can level up, etc. Yeah. They're basically bonfires. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a welcome. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I like that structure, even outside of the uh, the Dark Souls uh, kind of uh, kind of area. I like bringing order to these spaces. It was going to be more meaningful too. Like those control points were going to uh, uh, calm down like shifts in the building and stuff. Here, though, it just uh, you know gives you safe harbor. Reading about the uh, the potential for what this game would have done with all that stuff is really heartbreaking. Yeah. Because, well, like, what happened was pretty noteworthy, you know. Mm-hmm. What we got was pretty impressive, but that would have been really cool. Yeah. Well, there's going to be uh, there's gonna be a sequel with more money, with more budget behind it, so. Yeah, but it's going to tie into Alan Wake. <laughs> <laughs> it's just gonna, like, it's going to be about Alan Wake. They, they went in Alan Wake this whole thing. <laughs> oh man um something that i hate about this game is its map uh one of the most useless maps in a video game uh to me uh is like even less functional than like a thief map that doesn't show your position uh it's pretty rough yeah it is a top-down 2d projection uh, projection of a 3d space a 3d space that is very often uh you know very vertically oriented you know lots of mountains and balconies uh, and things like that so north south east and west direction orientation is not necessarily that uh that valuable uh think the um the fallout 3 map or fallout new vegas right it's a there are ways in which it's useful because you don't have quest markers in this. No. Um, so you are like, okay, I need to get to, you know, applied science. <laughs> and you got to find out where they're processing all the science. And uh, it's like steakums. Yeah. And you, <laughs> like, I will open up the, <laughs> the map and, uh, and be like, okay, I need to go to the end of this hallway and take a left. Okay. That part was useful, <laughs> you know, and you can follow signs to kind of like get down to the science. Uh, but anytime there was verticality, like it's district based, mm-hmm. like this, this shit is useless in containment. Yes. Because the center of containment is this huge four story thing and there's no way to swap floors on this 3d map. It's not like the uh, Metroid prime map yeah. or something like that, where you can, you can turn it on its side or even move away layers. <laughs> right. My kingdom for the Metroid prime map. 
Um, it's also your icon is so small on it. Something mm-hmm. that was very funny because I had to imagine Jesse doing it is every time I opened the map, I had to make Jesse run in circles while the map was open so I could spot yep. my little <laughs> cone of vision. <laughs> it's so artificial, like whoop, 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 whoop. Let's get a little figure eight here. It's a ritual. Mm-hmm. Everything here is about rituals, right? Yeah. If I don't do this, then the yeah, the science gets burned. Yeah. This the, the, this is something though, because you know, the entire game takes place in this big government building. Uh it follows like architectural and you know, building usability kind of guidelines that a mm-hmm. government building would. So actually having those signs that say, like, hey, uh, you know, the science is over in this direction. Like once I learned to really rely on those instead of just kind of, you know, my eyes glazing over at them um navigation got a lot easier so that would be my tip for anybody who is like maybe partway through this or thinking about giving it a shot is rely on the visual indicators around you as opposed to the interface because the interface will fail you yes yeah uh there are also there are main missions in this uh there are also side missions um the side missions tend to have you know narrative content to them uh unique bosses thing like weirdly enough all the bosses that are not just superpowered enemies mm-hmm. are in side missions that's a wild fucking choice but yeah it's true um there's also uh little special time challenge missions that ambush you these are procedurally generated and these motherfuckers thought that this combat engine was good enough to include chalice dungeons yep <laughs> in this i did one because I, I didn't know what it would be uh-huh. and i was like oh cool like I, I put in a jukebox token and get teleported to a realm that sounds rad <laughs> and i i went into the the realm and the realm sucked the stars from the sky. No, it no, was the worst no, realm. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, <laughs> fuck this realm, dude. This land of a thousand dances. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fuck this realm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a real fun. The amount of times that I noped out, which is real director behavior with this realm. Like, don't I have somebody to fucking do this? Um, they're huge. Like, it's not, they're not like little bite-sized things. They're no. like... You're on a, a floating island. There are four spokes to this thing. Each one has, you know, four things to collect while just the same waves of enemies fly at you. Yeah. Uh, they suck. I cannot. <sighs> and you get a random loot box. You mm-hmm. get like a little upgrade uh, thing at the end. It's it's ridiculous. I was, you know, I, I suppose <laughs> there are probably people who are that in the pocket for this combat and didn't get sick of it. Uh-huh at all uh i was not that person i was not that person and i haven't met that person yeah yeah it's uh it's bizarre Mm -hmm. uh the main missions are all real good the named side missions are good uh, that i did i didn't do all of them um because i got sick of the combat right right so uh i did i did all of them that were not the uh what a mess ones oh Um, yeah yeah where you're going around doing the janitor stuff i like the janitor i don't like doing his job yeah I, i don't uh there's, there's, it's real tasky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like we said, this is an aesthetic triumph. Uh, character design is really good. Um, mm-hmm. Just this engine does just it, it. It makes it makes beautiful things, which is nice. Environmental design. Uh, it is brutalist mid-century bureaucracy porn. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. It looks like uh, I've been to so many universities that look like this. Mm-hmm. Like this, this, uh, this. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, and part of it is just me being in the pocket for this kind of like you know, fifties suit and hat, yeah. you know, G man kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of it is just that it is a really, really great execution of this. Yeah. Um, they do, uh, one of remedies, weird little calling cards is mm-hmm. FMV is incorporated. 
throughout the game. Um, There are little bits where uh, FMV will superimpose over what you're doing. Um, There are instructional films within (laughs) the game that are done in FMV. Uh, This character named Casper Darling. I love Casper. (laughs) Casper's great. Casper's really charming. Um, There's stuff with the old director who is played by the voice actor for Max Payne. Uh, These don't have a lot of visual interest to them. Right. Um, and you just have to watch them. I just want the content of them, but you just have to sit there and watch him smoke and monologue to you. Right. I find, find those a bummer. Yeah. Um, but the way, the way they kind of mix media is real cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that quite a bit. And this is, as this is as well put together as I've done it. I think I've not played quantum break, but like my idea of, of my, uh, uh, concept of quantum break is it's almost like, uh, like the quiet man, where it is an FMV television show that occasionally you have interactive uh, uh, portions inside of it. And it stars Man of Badan, Sean Ashmore, um, a.k.a. Iceman from the X-Men movies. It does. And you have yeah. uh, you have Lance Reddick. Uh, yeah. maybe, maybe you're going to find the source of the glue. Yeah, the, 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 uh, that, uh, that SCP object. <laughs> um, <laughs> you mean to tell me this? This septic tank. (laughs) (laughs) This septic tank full of glue. (laughs) Just imagining all of the, (laughs) like the Federal Bureau of Controls guys showing up in that town instead of... (laughs) Spritz and glue. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, I also, uh, the FMV stuff, uh, these are always fun. The uh, the Threshold Kids uh, puppet shows. Uh, this is this is really fun. Uh, it was a little bit of a blow to me in terms of like the tone mm-hmm. and verisimilitude when I found out that these were intended to look like this. Yeah, it it's pure psychopath shit. Uh, <laughs> there, there's a children's show that is meant to educate children, and they're about altered objects. They decided to make it a scary, like the scariest <laughs> puppet show you've ever heard of. That was never not edited or anything. Yep. Um. It's. It only makes sense in the context of this being affectionate for SCP because it's Candle Cove. Yeah. It, it's very specifically Candle Cove. Mm-hmm. Um, without an SCP connection, this makes no fucking sense. And I'm very like uh, Noah Calderol Gervais, my favorite video game critic, uh, beating this gave me the license to watch his video on this, which mm-hmm. I always like. Uh, and he, re- he really loved it, but he w- did not mention and was not familiar with SCP. And I was like, did you not question why they decided to make this nightmare puppet show to try to comfort kids? Like (laughs) thinking people, rational thinking people made this, Uh you know, it's, it wasn't like art kids doing a project. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why would they do it like this? If the, the goal is to calm children down. Yeah. You know, so so here's, here's my admission. You know, I've only, I've occasionally made, uh, made calls and like, Hey, like what's an SCP uh, article that you really like uh people mm-hmm. and i will and i will read those i've not really been you know kind of let's say uh, uh immersed in that i have no idea what candle cove is oh uh candle cove is a good starting point okay for scp stuff you should you should read the candle cove short story it's real short hmm. um but it's a bunch of kids who remember seeing a puppet show okay on tv uh and talking about it on a message board gotcha and the Unlike Threshold Kids, Candle Cove starts out kind of children friendly and then gets scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Threshold Kids is basically Lynchian <laughs> from the from the get. Yeah. And I, I love the the show; it's cool. 
but these mm-hmm. happen. I was always happy to see them. Uncle uh, Mr. Bones. Just, yeah. Uncle Mr. Bones is great. <laughs> it just makes no sense that this is what they were doing to calm down the like teach the kids. <laughs> right. It's, it's it only exists. It only works for me as a shout out. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make sense within the game's universe. That kind of speaks to a larger uh, element of tone mm-hmm. in this. Um, you know, we talked. To, I talked about this wasn't a horror game. I don't care how popular this is. I think other people really like this aspect of the game. I wish this was maybe 20% more serious. Yeah. Not, it doesn't need to be dead serious, mm-hmm. but there is a sense of kind of like goofy workplace comedy mm-hmm. to it that I think they push just a little too far. Uh, yeah. Not hugely too far, a little too far. I, I think, know? I think it would be really helped if they kept the stuff that was funny in it, but put in more serious stuff to kind of counterbalance it. You know, that, that might work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a big uh, there's a couple of big moments we'll talk about those uh, that that contribute to this tone. Mm-hmm. Um, those are kind of spoilers. We'll we'll talk about those later. But I found myself wanting it to be just a little bit more serious. Another like just real quick nitpick that I have, mm-hmm. and I, I wanted to hear what your thoughts were on this. Um, it never didn't feel awkward to me when it would show the close-up on Jesse and tell me what she was thinking in the middle of a conversation. I just pictured her pausing um, in the middle, like just in the middle and just the other person just waiting. So like, like yeah. wait, wait, wait a minute. What? Because yeah, you know, I'm not hearing your flashback. <laughs> yeah. you know? It's a joke. Like, they do like four times on community. <laughs> like, yeah. It keeps happening. On the, it happens on the Simpsons and stuff. Uh, like you know, everybody <laughs> looks around like, what's this guy doing? It happens yeah. constantly. Yeah. And the content of them was not good. Yeah. They weren't things that she needed to not say usually. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was like, she didn't want anyone to know her secret, things like that. Yeah. But, uh, a lot of times, like there's one, uh, I went, I, I, this morning I did one of the side quests I'd missed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the guy is like, Oh yeah. You know, here at, uh, the federal bureau of control, we don't really have vacation time or something really Monday in office. Like, yeah. And then it cut over to her and she waits a minute and she goes, hard to imagine the federal bureau of control having vacation time. <laughs> and then another beat. And then it cuts back to the guy. It always <sighs> felt really awkward to me and yeah. added nothing. I would have rather just had her monologue while she was alone and reflect <laughs> on the conversation she was doing. She yeah. That, that, that would be, that would be better. If like, this is headed in the right direction from the constant Alan wake monologuing. Oh, you yeah. Know? Um, but like, it kind of feels like it's a, it's a tick that they can't suppress. So like it came out as those internal monologues that happened during the conversations. I found it to be awkward and I wish that I, I, I didn't mind the ones where she was talking to the unseen presence, you know, yeah. because that's those, like, those made tons of sense. Yeah. Yeah. But it, you know, when it was like, even if, even when it was affectionate or moved something forward, like her respect for the janitor, like, you know, I've, you know, generally you can bet you, you can more trust the janitor in a place than the person who runs it like that kind of deal, you know, like affectionate. Yeah. That is, that is good. Uh, that is good insight into Jesse's character. She's worked as a janitor. She's been around to these people, um, in the past. Yeah. Right. Um, but the fact that like that is cutting into the middle of a conversation, I also would like, you know, that as, you know, hallway hallways hallway monologuing um uh while you're doing other stuff there's lots of hallway like yeah. they, they really easily could have put it in there it's this sam lake thing where everybody is kind of a hard-boiled detective no matter who they are <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody is doing that like a, a, a sam spade monologue 24 yeah. 7 
Um, I can only imagine that dude thinks like that. Yeah. I, I just, I just found those really awkward mm-hmm. and, and wish that they, they took me out of it. Yeah. So not a huge deal, but mm-hmm. it's nothing I didn't notice. And, and it's used a good effect early on. Like the gender here's one of them. Yep. That's great. <laughs> I don't know if it was worth having them happen throughout the whole game just for that. Right. Right. So I'm not calling this, you know, you can tell me a nitpicker if you want. I'm not saying it's a huge deal. I just mm-hmm. felt it was awkward. I was I wasn't like, you know, screaming like a tea kettle every time one every time it happened. <laughs> yeah. I eventually just accepted that it was part of the style and then just, you know, edited them out as I was as I was I went through uh, so uh, many monitors. <laughs> every single time that happened, I had to throw my controller into the monitor and like <laughs> the monitor budget for this this yeah. season of watch out for fireballs huge. <laughs> yeah uh but uh no i i I agree i agree with that uh it is it is a weird decision that they made uh Uh, on top of real quick while we're talking about production uh all the voice acting is real good in this yes uh all the performances are very good um the music the non-diegetic uh music that happens in this i think is great Mm -hmm. um there's not music when you're wandering around but when battles kick up it's uh all percussion Mm mm-hmm it's a really cool choice. Yeah. Um, you know, so really, really great sound design and the things she was saying, you know, was very, very performed very well, even yeah. though it was awkward. I like, I like Jesse. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah, very much. So I like all the characters in this. Mm-hmm. I think they're all like good and interesting. Even the, the side characters are well sketched. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's nobody who is like inhumanly, you know, chronically bland mm-hmm. in this the characters justify themselves yeah emily pope is great just yeah she's wonderful <laughs> yeah the 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 uh the weird slob dude who runs the containment center <laughs> <That's great. laughs> just a total nepotism case and yeah. well here i am <laughs> yeah, yeah i'll be here <laughs> just uh that, that guy you want to win that guy's great <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the development here. Uh, so the game uh, started production before the release of Quantum Break, uh, initially having the, uh, the the title Project 7 or P7 that has relevance uh, within the story of the game. But uh, I'm happy they didn't uh, go with it. Yeah. Ever since product number six on the <laughs> PS2, we've, we had to move away from that. It was a GameCube game, sir. Oh, I, I think it was on both. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I played that on PS2, but I could be wrong. Um, this is the Remedy's first project after separating from Microsoft. Uh, Remedy completed it on a really short timeline for them and a smallish budget, so three years at $30 million. Uh, tons of money, obviously more money than I'll ever see in my life, but mm-hmm. uh, it's it's on it's well used on screen. Looks good. Yeah, yeah. It did, for perspective, both Alan Wake and Quantum Break took seven years to make. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Uh, they wanted to move away from their kind of sty- house style linear play and really orchestrated stories that they had done. Uh, so they put their narrative resources into building the world instead of creating the scenes that happened yeah. uh, within it. Uh, hugely good choice. Mm-hmm. It kind of it, it kind of leads to a story that doesn't really resolve. You know, nope. it's a superhero origin story. Yep. There we spoiled the end for you. This is, this is, this is a, this happens right before, uh, Jesse joins the Avengers. Right. Uh, you know, at some point this is, this is a superhero origin story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we alluded to this a little bit before, but there were plans. So, uh, the oldest house uh, is this non-Euclidean space. Uh, it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Uh, house of leaves, uh, for your bingo card there. Um, mm. uh, but that shifting architecture was going to be a more, more important part of the play when it is used, uh, here, it is, uh, really cool and subtle and uns- unsettling. 
Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, it was going to be kind of more of a factor that was ultimately cut because of technical limitations. Yeah. There's not very much of it. Yeah. Uh, there's also going to be dynamic weather inside the building. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, they, they didn't do that. That's fine. Um, early versions of the game had consumable combat items, uh, and kind of an emphasis on cover, but this was scrapped because they made people play very conservatively. They wanted you to move quicker and be more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can see them kind of moving away from uh, my understanding of Quantum Break and moving kind of back into a Max Payne yeah. play space. Like, get in there and and let the chips fall where they may. Mm-hmm. Good decision. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your service weapon uh, would have had more contextual forms, including um, uh, melee stuff. Like it could have turned into a sword. Uh, there were going to be some environmental uses, like different chains, um, almost especially like in, uh, in in arena grappling kind of stuff. Uh, that was scrapped in uh, in order to just lean entirely on the gunplay. Yes, uh, this game was one of the first to take advantage of real time ray tracing capabilities on graphics cards uh, that also shows mm-hmm. you can turn it off if you have a lower end machine uh, and have really no choice but to not use it if you play this on ps4 um, yeah this is a good game to play on a on a powerful system if you can yeah uh, i played this on ps5 and it looked and ran great uh ps4 especially around launch was a real technical nightmare and even on pc you, you would express some express some misgivings did you get the uh the loading time uh problem yeah, solved check this out uh when you when you start the game it gives you a really innocuous choice it says do you want to run this in DirectX 11 or 12 okay uh one of those they, they look identical <laughs> okay one of them means 90 second loading times and one of them means 10 second loading times <laughs> it's the only difference i could tell okay yeah and it's just this weird little uh little mind game uh, trap so i started in the wrong one and i was like man i need to turn on cheats because i can't die uh-huh. because i can't wait 90 seconds every time i fucking die no no uh and then i instead i looked up what i had done wrong and switched to the right the correct direct x version what's the and then it runs fine okay cool what, what, what's what's the bad one um i, I think 11 out. is the bad one okay um yeah 12 is the good one 11 is the bad one okay but i don't i don't even remember choosing it's not like it's a really innocuous choice when you're going through and doing your setup uh-huh you know it might even default to the bad one because <laughs> it, it would have been weird for me to choose the lower number right i'll, I'll admit i don't really know what direct x is <laughs> i just i just go like yeah let's do direct x cool why not yeah cool like yeah <laughs> yes i say yes to direct x um so I think it defaults to the bad one. If you put it on the good one, it plays great on PC. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have a super high end modern machine, uh, but it played great. Yeah. Once yeah. I did that. Mm-hmm. No. Nice. Um, game was really well received, you know, kind of was a big uh, prestige uh, uh, release in 2019, nominated for tons of awards, sold really well, reviewed really well. Um, uh, b- big game. Yep. Uh, there are a couple of DLCs for it we're not talking about those today uh but we will talk about them in the future yeah uh we decided you know at some time when we need a bite-sized episode we'll go back and do the control dlcs Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm real curious about them apparently the uh the story content and you is good and you do things other than just shoot dudes yes like it's where they start encouraging some more encounter design Mm -hmm. uh to it so we'll we'll go back to those but it was good enough to to get those a big enough hit for those and uh they're making a couple spinoffs they're making a sequel with a mm-hmm. bigger, bigger budget and a four-player co-op game ca- called condor yeah um i don't really want to play a four-player co-op like left for dead in this engine mm-hmm. um but i do think i like that they're they've realized basically like hey the oldest house is a flexible enough 
setting that we can basically just do all our games as spinoffs from this. Yeah. It's one of those, like, it's it's a perfect idea. Like mm-hmm. the Friday the 13th, the series, or Warehouse 13, or SCP. Yeah. Any, any all those things, it's, it's just, you know, incredibly versatile. Yeah. And uh, uh, and they realize that it's great, you know. And we you, we you mentioned that they're uh, kind of Alan Wake, uh, bringing Alan Wake stuff uh, in into yes. this. The, you know, the fact that this is going to be you know like a Dark Tower like linchpin across their other stuff is cool to me. Um, it's real weird to me that this is an Alan Wake thing, not the other way around. Yeah, when I read about it, and that kind of bums me out because I don't like Alan Wake mm-hmm. uh, as a guy or as a game, mm-hmm. and I don't. Like, I want a variety of weird things. I don't want to deal with the Alan Wake darkness more. Right. You know, uh, and and that's, to me, that is a bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, it also means that, like, there are story parts of it that tie into the Alan Wake DLCs. Yeah. Uh, which I did not play, but I've heard are pretty garbo. I don't care for them. I think I'm a little bit warmer on Alan Wake the game uh, than, than you are while still being like, Oh yeah, this does not hold up like it did yeah. when I first played it. But yeah, the DLCs had me ripping my hair out. Yeah. So that, that is a bummer to me, but if they, you know, added the Alan Wake stuff in and then quickly dismissed it yeah. and moved on to other things, I think that would be really cool. Somebody on that staff really loves Alan <laughs> as a character. Uh, it, probably it was... because he's, he's Sam. You're like, you know, it's Sam Lake. Yeah. He does the internal monologue himself. <laughs> Self-insert character. It was also a big hit for them. Like people get excited about that, about that property. So it's not like a bad business decision, but no. Yeah. And the, the remake people are excited about the remake too. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is weird to me. Like juggling those dudes with the flashlight. It's not that fun. No, no. Uh, to me. I'm curious about Alan Wake too, because it's coming out after this and maybe they will have learned something, but at the very least it'll tie into this in cool ways. Like yeah. I probably won't play Alan Wake too, uh, but I will read the TV tropes on it and learn all the cool Easter eggs of how it ties into this. Yeah. Um, that's going to be it for the generalities portion of this episode. Thank you for listening. If you're hearing this, uh, you are on the public feed. If you'd mm-hmm. like to hear the whole episode, go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Yep. Uh, At that tier, you get a bunch of stuff, actually. Two extra episodes of Abject Suffering. Um, uh, The whole uh, catalog of premium episodes going back a couple years now at this point of uh, Watch Out for Fireballs, uh, Unfilmable, a show about horror movies, and Bonfireside Chat. Like, There's tons of stuff there for you if you want it. Absolutely. Um, You can also leave us ratings reviews on Apple Podcasts or Podcast Addict. Uh, If you have, if you are not just a, a straight white dude, uh, cis white dude like us and you have a project you'd like us to shout out send me an email at gary at duckfeed.tv uh, and we will highlight that we're trying to highlight one per episode this episode i want to highlight uh kevin blopka's uh short fiction podcast an ode to an end mm. um the idea here is these are episodes that describe dystopias at different points along their line um, a few episodes take place in our current kind of uh, dystopic presence. Other ones take place in the future. And the episodes are really short. Uh, you know, the idea being these are almost like a song mm-hmm. uh, in terms of length. So it's like almost these micro fiction things about uh, these apocalyptic end paths. Hmm. Um, so yeah, Kevin uh, Balapka, I am Balapka Albelez. I am probably, Albelez, probably uh, mispronouncing that. Mm-hmm. So apologies for that. Yeah, but uh, check that out. It's an ode to an end, and uh, you can find that at www.anodetoanend.com. It's a it's a great concept for a show. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, see you next week. See you next week. Dispatch.